Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The go through some emails, check your calendar, see that you have a 45 minute break in the day between meetings, realize this is your moment. So you drive right to McDonald's to pick up something extra delicious ASAP meal. Thank you. There's a meal for every moment at McDonald's. Buy one of your select faves and get another for just a dollar every morning, like a sausage McMuffin or hash browns. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Valid for product of equal or lesser value. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Cabo meal valid when product served. Welcome to episode number 48 of the LSR Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by the brightest minds in all of the gambling industry. With me, Adam Candy. With me, Dustin Galker. And we are going to talk about West Virginia yet again. Some craziness. If you were with us last week on the podcast, there is some more news that has come out of there that just makes you kind of LOL. We will talk about some numbers, as we always do. We'll look at a couple of states as well. Maybe a little bit of good news on this podcast. It seemed like last week we were nothing but bad news, Dustin. We were saying that, hey, maybe things will turn around. There's at least a couple of things for us to consider. Maybe, maybe good news in on this podcast. I, I guess it's not it's not the worst week. In yes. On regulated U.S. online gambling. Let's put it that way. There we go. We'll 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 look at it that way. Uh well, Adam, you know, last week as we were, you know, pretty much as we were getting ready to prepare for this podcast was when the whole debacle over in West Virginia happened with the political betting and we were able to kind of run down how that went. But more information has come out now because one thing we didn't know at the time when we recorded last week is there was a little bit of he said, she said going on. There was some of the, ah, oh, no, we were definitely given approval and then they took it back. And then there was some of the, oh no, we didn't ever give approval. People jumped the gun, but it looks like we found out what really went down over there. Even when I tell you what really went down over there, you're still going to say, nah, that couldn't really be how it happened. Right. But it actually is how it happened. Uh, we now have seen some of the emails that were going back and forth between the West Virginia lottery and not just FanDuel, who we uh, found out was the, only operator to offer odds on the presidential election, but also DraftKings and Roar Digital, that's BetMGM, were involved in this as well. And they also submitted asks to the West Virginia Lottery to be able to offer betting on the election. As we know, uh, FanDuel put the market up and very quickly pulled the market back down at the request of West Virginia. The he said, she said, well, there are emails that prove that the West Virginia Lottery did approve this. Uh, the deputy director there gave approvals to FanDuel, to DraftKings, and to BetMGM. Those all came within an hour of the ask from those operators, which is pretty remarkable to look at. And then FanDuel, within about three hours, had its markets posted. Uh, there was a presentation that was made by DraftKings and, um, and its partner, Penn National, prior to that. How far prior? On April 6th. Uh, and that presentation is dated April 3rd. The long and short of it is when you look at this, this was clearly done in a very hasty fashion by the West Virginia regulators. It was 
equally hasty, you might say, on FanDuel's part in terms of getting those odds up almost immediately because you could see the ask go out from West Virginia regulators roughly 20 minutes after these odds posted from FanDuel asking all of the operators not to post it. And DraftKings said, yeah, we haven't. And same for BetMGM. And then another email comes back from DraftKings a half hour after that saying, hey, uh, West Virginia, we just wanted to let you know that FanDuel's odds are still up. So this has become uh, maybe an even bigger mess than we thought it was last week. Uh, What we do know is that West Virginia won't be offering election betting anytime soon, despite the fact that these emails make it clear that operators, as we would expect, are looking high and low and far and wide to find something to offer a market on during the coronavirus shutdowns. Dustin, we've talked about how, you know, really when we look at all of this, Nevada and even Nevada specifically, but even New Jersey, you know, we were talking about how, look, you know, New Jersey is a little bit more a little bit more adventurous when it comes to markets. Nevada, super conservative. But whenever you look at Nevada and New Jersey, very little glitches, very little hangups, very little problems. And, you know, we kind of say it. We've, we've said this over and over again, really and truly. You know, they have these other states as they come on and these other states as they do things really, really should look to the guidance of these two states where we have, again, seen very, very few glitches and hiccups here along the way. Because, I mean, something like this is just I'm not going to say inexcusable, but borderline inexcusable. It's it's definitely not good. And yeah, Nevada, New Jersey, very different states and how they handle sports betting. But they they do have a wealth of experience. You know, New Jersey has been dealing with online gambling for for more than five years with online casino and poker as well. And uh, you know, Nevada's had mobile apps and has been doing sports betting for decades. So, yeah, to, to just like it does. It feels I don't know. I don't know what the right word adjective is cavalier. What's what's is what happened? That might be nice. A nice way to put it. But yeah, the the whole thing is still, I mean, the emails made it even seem worse than it was. I mean, we knew it was a cluster just from watching it go down uh, that evening when it happened. But it's also, we talked about last week, is is it worth the squeeze? Because DraftKings uh, in these documents said they would forecast about 1.1 million in handle if West Virginia legalized it by May 1st. Now that's not much revenue for either DraftKings or the state. You know, it's the the idea that this is the Super Bowl of of betting. If it, without without actual sports, I think takes a hit when you see a number like that when you're only expecting seven figures in in handle. So, but and, and, and another sidelight, I think DraftKings narking on on Fanduel is one of my my favorite parts of the whole email <laughs> uh, conversation that we that we saw via all this stuff. It is pretty and, interesting for sure. And and, and Adam, yeah, it, it, go ahead. But it was just. Uh, it, it, it is whenever you look at this. I mean, we've, we've seen they haven't been at each other's throats for sure, but we definitely have seen a little bit of back and forth between DraftKings and FanDuel, even over the social media here and there. And, you know, I'm OK for a am OK for some light sparring. We don't need like full on battle royale going on between the two. But, you know, a little light sparring I'm OK with. And I think that's probably how it would best be described. I'm not even sure that this particular narking, as Dustin put it, was all that mean spirited. I think it was kind of more along the lines of, hey, guys, uh, by the way, this thing that you think is bad is still bad. And and it might be able to uh, have a chance to get worse here. Um, you know, Dustin mentioned the fact that you're talking about only potentially a million dollars in handle. I have to think this is a longer play for 
any of these operators to be able to get one state to approve it and to be able to take that precedent to other states and perhaps other states that are much larger that are potentially offering much more handle than West Virginia is. And they could at least make some regulators who've been skeptical say, hey, see, you don't have to go first. And if you're going to rush anything in West Virginia, um, and the, one of the de- the uh, delegates in the state who was behind all of the legalization of things in, in gambling is like, we we legalized online casino like long time ago, and there's been zero movement on that, and that's something that could actually benefit the you know the state in terms of tax revenue, the operators, the casinos that aren't generating any revenue right now. Basically, like this is like you you already legalized it. What you're you've been dragging your feet on online casino and online poker for all this time, and, and instead we're ramming through election betting, which has like a rounding error in, in the amount of revenue it creates. So it, the whole thing, the whole the whole. Hopefully, we're not talking about West Virginia anymore next week, unless it's something good. But it's the whole thing's been a mess. If you've been following the podcast over the last few weeks, you know we have been kind of following the let's go ahead and call it a saga going on there with SB Tech and the things that have been. Uh, the, the problems that they have been dealing with and Dustin, it looks like they have uh, put aside a decent amount of money to uh, deal with this in the future. So yeah, SB Tech, as far as I know right now, is still down in some jurisdictions. The Bet America platform uh, for New Jersey and Pennsylvania, both sportsbook and casino, still down there. They're operated by SB Tech on behalf of the, the that operator. And yeah, the, the interesting news that came out is uh, the company, the mechanism for DraftKings to go public in a reverse merger that includes SB Tech called Diamond Eagle Acquisition. Uh, they created a $30 million fund to cover any claims against uh, SB Tech because of the outage that, uh, again, uh, the ones I mentioned, plus the, the Oregon scoreboard app here in Oregon, where I live, plus some sports books in New Jersey. Uh, I'm not sure. It might also impact some retail betting that we don't have some visibility into, but yeah, so this is uh, and this is part of the larger uh, idea of DraftKings is out there trying to go public while SB Tech, it's the platform it is trying to acquire, is still not operational in two states, uh, which seems to be a regulatory hangup as opposed to uh, anything else. But we're we're going on man, what is it, three weeks now where uh, we've had a, an outage uh, where players can't access their accounts, and it, it's all it's also a little little weird. We're we're on today's the anniversary of Black Friday for online poker when a bunch of poker players couldn't get their money. Now I'm not su- suggesting that's that's what's the case here, but it is you know it's a bad look to have players not able to access their accounts and their their money. And I, I hope this gets resolved sooner rather than later. But I guess, like you said, the the main takeaway here is it does look like that DraftKings, I mean, there was at least a little bit of concern floating out there as to whether DraftKings would would want to still move forward in everything with what was going on with with SB Tech, you know, outside of, of their dealings with them. But it looks like that is definitely going to go through, correct? Yeah, I mean, there's nothing right now that we know that's saying that it's not going to go through. Yeah, this this is you know to, to cover this is a cover your ass a little bit. To, this money could be used in claims. So um, yeah, right now everything's supposed to go forward still this month with uh, with that uh, uh, reverse merger. And yeah, I guess we'll we'll wait to see what the result of that is. But you know, it does look like DraftKings will be you know getting that infusion of cash from it and be a public company here in the near future. Adam, one of the stories that hit the Twitter machine over the last couple of days is the good news about Colorado. And of course, with that, we were, you know, looking at a market here that's going to have a lot of players involved. And I think one of the more interesting stories that we will follow here over the next year, year and a half is to see how some of these more 
traditional sports books rooted out of Las Vegas tend to fare whenever they get into the Colorado market up there competing against some of these guys that have been going, uh, you know, the let's call them new school guys over there from New Jersey, Pennsylvania and whatnot in the DraftKings and FanDuel's and points bets and whatnot of the world. We got the news and we mentioned it briefly here on the podcast that Derek Stevens and his company was going to uh, enter Colorado up there with Circa Sports. And then it came out that Superbook was going to be going into Colorado as well. We've seen Superbook, the Westgate Superbook from Las Vegas, on the sports betting conference circuit for the better part of a year, uh, taking meetings and trying to find a partnership where they can bring their brand out somewhere else on the scene outside of Nevada. Now, I heard very strong rumors from very well-placed sources around this time last year that they had a deal all but signed in New Jersey. That obviously did not happen. So this Colorado deal will be the first time that we see the Superbook brand outside of the state of Nevada. So Superbook gets in, Circa gets in, and the Colorado market, as Brad Allen wrote about recently, sets up to be not just a battle among the DraftKings and FanDuel and PointsBetsa and the operators that have had great early success in other states, but really this is the first time that we see the Las Vegas sportsbooks be able to put their product up against the newer entrants as you refer to them. Here's what's really interesting about it. In play in Nevada is less than 50%. Uh, excuse me. Uh, mobile is less than 50% in Nevada. Obviously, in play is a much smaller portion of that. And the Nevada books have technology that you and I have talked about frequently on their apps that is basically Atari to the Xbox of what DraftKings and FanDuel are putting out there. Uh, if you take the apps that are in Nevada and try to throw them into a neutral market like Colorado, and think that they're going to compete with DraftKings and FanDuel, you are sorely mistaken, whether you're Superbook, whether you're Circa, whether you're anybody without a reasonably strong tech stack to uh, to create your app in another state. Uh, we also know, and, I met, and this is why I had InPlay in my head, we also know that uh, some of these places in Nevada have been doing whatever InPlay they have by hand. I mean, basically, they've got someone you know behind the counter who is pushing the buttons on these odds. And there's no way that that can keep up with, uh, with the algorithm based in play that most of the European operators have brought over here. So it certainly will be a fascinating setup in Colorado. Um, you know, no, no lack of confidence from the Superbook folks who in their press release talking about Colorado discussed the fact that they quote wrote the book on sportsbook operations. So I guess we'll see soon. May 1st launch in Colorado. Dustin, they do run the super contest, which has become kind of the de facto handicapping contest for the NFL season. They said they were going to explore bringing that to Colorado, and I certainly think that will get them a little bit of business through that. But as Adam mentioned here, I mean, one of the things that is not present in Nevada currently is one of these, you know, is one of these European operator apps and and algorithm based you know, sports books that are going on over in Pennsylvania and New Jersey and even in the Midwest and things like that, where you have literally dozens, if not hundreds of markets available for every single game. And we're not talking about big standalone games. We are talking about every single game that is listed throughout the entire course of the season in NBA and NHL and in, in, in Major League Baseball and, of course, the NFL as well. 
And, you know, listen, I understand that there's big brands here in Nevada. I just don't know when you head over to Colorado and we all think, and if you talk to all these sports book operators, they keep saying the future's in end game, the future's in end game, the future's in end game, you know, without, without embracing these algorithm based and, and we've talked to these guys, Adam and I have talked to some of these guys before that say like, yeah, it's not, you know, we're not doing that. We're doing, we're booking the old school way. We're, we're, we're booking the way we know how to book. You're just, I, I cannot see a path to victory here with that strategy because there's just going to be so many fewer things to bet on. And at the end of the day, I think the bigger, I think the bigger menu is just going to, is just going to win out. Yeah, look, I'm not, there's lots of stuff going on here. I, I'm first off, I, I'm not going to say Superbook can't go into Colorado and succeed, but uh, I agree with, with you that they're, they're going up uh, against some competition that I'm not sure they're prepared for. They're not going up against anything in Nevada currently, like they go that they're going to encounter in Colorado, you know, companies that have done very well in New Jersey and Pennsylvania and elsewhere. That's you. You can't just. Uh, I mean, them and Circa are going to go. Okay, we have you know high limits, best vig, best lines. That's all great. One, you need people to find you and know that exists. Now, Superbook has a little bit of cachet in the sports betting, you know, uh, industry and all of that. But like in the in the world writ large, nobody knows what Superbook or the Super Contest are. That's a it's a you know we all know what that is, big deal in sports betting land. But it's not a thing that you know has got, has translated into the national consciousness of the United States. Yes, it's a cool contest, but you got to let people know that it exists somehow. Uh, what what are what are these companies going to do? To compete with the DraftKings and the FanDuel, who are going to do aggressive bonuses, who, like I say, have better apps, will spend you know tons and tons of money on marketing. I don't I don't think Superbook and Circa you know have the will or the or the resources to go to go up against these companies in a way that that really makes sense. So I mean, I could be proven wrong. Maybe they have this great marketing digital marketing strategy that they've never had to employ before, and they're going to go crush it in Colorado. But if they, uh, I agree with Adam that if you just think you're going to do business like you did in Nevada and you're going to go into Colorado and that's going to work, uh, I think you're you're sorely mistaken. And Adam, I guess, you know, I mean, to play devil's advocate here, I mean, maybe they will just try to cater to a different better, right? I mean, we know that with FanDuel and DraftKings and, and PointsBet and whatnot, yeah, some of the limits are, are definitely lower. And yes, you know, there's certainly uh, even gets limited and things like that. People get limited along the way. And maybe Superbook and Circa go in there and their whole, you know, strategy is to cater to you know, bigger betters to cater to the guys that are betting the the bigger dollar figures and they're willing to put down the big money. I just don't know how many of those people there are in the grand scheme of things and how many of those people live in Colorado. Well, to that point, Matt, if you are a big dollar better, you haven't been waiting for legal sports betting to come to Colorado or New Jersey or anywhere else. You either are coming to Vegas or you already have someone in Vegas. And I think that that would be a strategy that would be fraught with peril is the way that I would put it. I, I don't think you can manage your risk pool well enough doing that. And I think that it might not be an all digital, all the, the time strategy like uh, like DraftKings and FanDuel. But the fact of the matter is the retail casinos in Colorado are remote. They are in towns that become very difficult to reach in the winter. And most of the betting that happens in Colorado is going to be on 
mobile. And I think that percentage is going to be 85 to 90 percent, the same way we've seen in New Jersey and in Pennsylvania, eventually, even if it's not uh, right from the start. And it might be right from the start when you consider that there is remote sign up and remote funding in Colorado. Dustin, we talked about how bettors are starved for things to bet on. One of the things that has come along that they are able to bet on is iRacing. NASCAR has put real professional drivers into these simulators that most of these guys have at their houses as it is anyway. It's extremely expensive. I'm sure if you're a sports fan, you already know that NASCAR is just a massive, massive, massive money drain when it comes to trying to do any sort of practicing or anything. Every time you fire up one of those cars, it costs you so, so, so much money. So these guys have been doing a lot of practicing really for the last decade over the simulators, and they figured out a way to turn this whole simulator racing into something that has been broadcast on television. It's actually been getting fairly decent ratings. There were a couple of them that actually topped a million viewers that that were watching these iRacing things, but we have our first iRacing scandal, uh, and it's not, uh, fortunately, it is not from any sort of betting angle or anything like that, but we do have our first iRacing scandal here. Yeah, NASCAR iRacing should be kind of like a, just a feel-good story. Like, oh, here NASCAR not able to run its real races. This is good. This is going on. Gives somebody people to, something a live sport to kind of watch and people to bet on. But yeah, we had uh, a, a driver Kyle Larson use a racial slur on uh, his, his Twitch live stream of of a recent event on Sunday, saying the N word on 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 the Twitch stream, and that obviously led to him being suspended indefinitely. Lose lost his ride. For both, I guess the real car and the, and the fake car, or, but uh, yeah, this is like NASCAR. This whole thing seemed like it seemed like a really great idea, but there's been like we've had like lots of little little mini scandals out of this. Not again, not related to betting, but um, I don't think we'll see a betting scandal. These are professional drivers, but there's there's just weirdness about betting on these these races that. You know, drivers care certainly, but how much do they care? I mean, the one guy like crashed and quit, quit one of the races. Like I just, it's, uh, you know, we, everybody's starved for things to bet on, but you know, esports and especially this version of it, which is, you know, less fraught with, with potential match fixing and less with do people, do they really care about the the things that they're driving? Uh, it's, it's, it creates some weirdness and, you know, esports in general, getting tons more, uh, eyeballs just in general. We saw Nevada actually approve more markets for both the Overwatch League and for League of Legends, both the European and North America championships coming up. And uh, so it's a it's a brave new world. You know, I was talking to bookmakers three to four years ago when uh, about esports betting, like they, nobody cared in Nevada because they're like nobody cares, nobody wants to bet on this. And all of a sudden, we're seeing people, you know, want to bet on NASCAR iRacing, want to bet on this because it's it's uh, you know right now one of the most compelling things you can bet on. Outside of table tennis, of course. Yes, outside of table tennis and Belarusian uh, hockey, I think is the other thing that uh, that's going on out there. Uh, well, Adam- Belarusian soccer now is now like the 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 joke of like the like, <laughs> what do you what do you think what what is there to bet on? Oh, it's Belarusian soccer. Yeah, yeah. Belarusian. I mean, it is, it is. It, but I mean, it, when you open the app, it, when you open your apps, that's basically the first thing that pops up. It's pretty. Or when you get the highlights from the the sportsbook operators from like Will Hill or whoever, it's like, here here are the highlights for today. Belarusian soccer. Have fun. Go at it. Yeah, it is. uh, It is certainly some some interesting emails that we've been getting whenever it comes to all that stuff. Uh, Adam, we would we talked about there wasn't going to be all bad news on this podcast. We are not going to start that trend here right now. Uh, Let's talk about Virginia 
and how we are going about trying to get legalized sports betting in the state of Virginia. Yeah, this is where you want me to start at the not bad news portion. Uh, we, we might have picked the wrong spot here. Uh, the Virginia sports betting bill went to the governor, Ralph Northam, and he kicked it back over the weekend with some suggestions as to what he'd like to see in the bill. Now, the biggest problem among those suggestions is he wants a $50,000 background check to be applied to anyone with 5% ownership or more in a sports betting operation. That's not crazy. What is crazy is trying to apply that to manager level people, which is in his suggestions. Some bookmakers have told me they could be licensing 20 manager level people in a state the size of Virginia. So that being the case, you could be looking at an extra million dollars in licensing fees. So lobbyists are already at work on this one. It's not a guarantee. This will ultimately be considered when the Virginia legislature gets back together next week. But this is something that could cause a serious disruption in Virginia sports betting if it happens. Dustin, another thing that we have not been super high on is the Tennessee bill. And we look, we are excited for states to get new sports betting. And we have talked about this before that, hey, sometimes something is better than nothing. But it seems like every single time we revisit this, what's going on in Tennessee, I start to shake my head and wonder if something is actually better than nothing there in Tennessee. And it looks like they are going to move forward with all of the things that we have really, really hated on here on this podcast. Yeah, didn't we promise like just 15 minutes ago or something? Good news. I think <laughs> I, feel, I feel like we've already just 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 got gone away from that entirely. Anyway, yes, Tennessee uh, had a meeting today about uh, you know, moving forward with regulations. I'll start with the good news part is the, the meeting, they, they made some progress. They're apparently going to be offering applications for licensing soon. That could mean as soon as, you know, later this summer or, or even early fall, depending on uh, what, how exactly the timeline plays out, there could be operating sports books in Tennessee. That's the good news. The bad news is uh, this this uh, group that met today uh, with the Tennessee Lottery approved a a whole percentage, a required, hold requirement of 10% for all sportsbook operators that were, were operating the state, meaning only 90% of money will be going back to to betters. Now, that's that doesn't sound maybe that bad, but uh, it's you know the, the whole percentage across the United States is not 10%. It's you know we I think uh, I think uh, we calculated we looked at it quick on our revenue page. It looks like it's around you know between six and seven percent. That's what historically Nevada has held. So we're asking operators to now hold another three percent uh, just as part of. You know, the course of doing business. Now, that's going to probably result in higher vig. Uh, you know, not maybe not intra intralot levels of vig that we're seeing in Montana and we'll see in D.C. But it's not going to be good. And it's you know, I think even even more so than just the the problems of creating an artificial hold that you know does that kind of this this just disregards what the sportsbooks are actually doing. It's an optics problem because it feels to me when you when you say you have to hold ten percent, it just feels like you're rigging it against. The, the sports better you know we have enough problems kind of making you know making the case that sports betting is a, in a regulated environment is better than what's offshore now we're at, we have a state out there saying you have to hold 10 percent of bets and that's just i mean it's really bad it's a really bad narrative for you know the early days of u.s sports betting to have this has this out there and to be you know apparently what tennessee is going to move forward with it's just it's just not a great look and not a good policy and, and Adam, this is one of the things that we've we've talked about, you know, like a lot of this, too, is a battle we're fighting just in just in the optics. Right. Is is what we're 
we're dealing with here. There are a lot of people who will, you know, and influential voices within the the sports betting realm, which I understand that doesn't necessarily stretch all that far, but every time, you know, a law gets passed or any kind of any, anytime anything doesn't go exactly right, gets super blown out of proportion. But, you know, you look at something like this and if people wanted to complain about this, I, I, it would be hard for me to blame them. Right. I mean, this is something here that you look at and you just, you just shake your head and you say like, this just seems completely unnecessary. You are going to make money from sports betting. Nevada has not had a losing month in sports betting in over a decade. Like it is, you're going to make money here. So to force this artificial hold in here is just, it just doesn't make any sense. Of all of the strange things we've seen pop up in legislation across the country, other than the weird penalty box situation in Illinois where they decided to try to take out their frustration over DFS against DraftKings and FanDuel, this might be the strangest one. Uh, we have an article going back to January when this was first proposed that covers a study done by Eilers and Crycheck Gaming when this was proposed as a 15% hold, saying that Tennessee could be forfeiting as much as $11 million in revenue per year. It could be cutting the number of operators in half that would want to participate in the market. and the idea, as best anyone can seem to figure out, comes from a lottery in France. I don't know how it applies to sports betting at all. All we know is that the fact that this went into place at all is just another strange step. I mean, the whole process in Tennessee has been up and down and weird in general. Uh, they were only the second state to put official league data as a requirement for in-play into their law. And uh, I think one Las Vegas bookmaker put it well on his Twitter account today when he said, looks like Tennessee sports betting is going to be as nationally relevant as its football program. Zing right there. I like that one though. That is uh, I have to look, I have to look that one up. That's the there's one. a clay, there's a clay Travis joke in there somewhere too. I think. <laughs> uh, Dustin, look, we knew that, whenever we got numbers that were going to be coming out, we had a pretty good idea that we were going to see some disappointing numbers because let's be, you know, let's be real there. Are the, when you got no March madness and no sports to bet on, we knew that there was going to be a gigantic drop whenever it came to sports betting numbers here. So as these numbers trickle out here, that is exactly what we're seeing. However, we did think that there was going to be an uptick, if not a massive uptick, in the other forms of online gaming. And that is exactly what we're seeing as well. Yeah. Everybody's, uh, you know, sports betting is the new shiny toy. So obviously we're seeing more about the sports betting and the drop off and handle, you know, uh, in, uh, we saw New Jersey had the lowest number, obviously sports was only sports were really only active for less than two weeks in March. So handle was only 180 million. You know, it probably probably would have gotten like 550, 600 million had, had March Madness gone on and, and, and sports just carried on. So that's a big loss. Indiana, same way, 60 percent drop off from February down to 75 million in handle. Um, but this we you knew this was happening. This is only going to get worse. You know, it's going to be a fraction of what it was in you know April, May, when, when there's absolutely nothing going on again other than the. The, the the sports we like to make fun of on this podcast, but so but the 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 flip side of this is the states that have have do have online casino online poker have done well. New Jersey numbers uh, just came out. Uh, usually we're hitting about fifty million in uh, online casinos slash poker revenue. It was up to sixty five million for March. Again, that's not not quite replacing everything that sports betting did, but it's a, an increase because people 
looking for an outlet to gamble, don't have a casino, don't have sports bet sports betting to do. You you're you know, they're they're now then going over to the online casinos that are in New Jersey as a, as an outlet for all of this. So um, we don't have we have Pennsylvania numbers coming out tomorrow as well. We expect to see the same kind of, of thing, different little little different earlier in the market for Pennsylvania versus New Jersey. But uh, it really is you know a compelling story. We're gonna have Michigan and West Virginia that have both legalized online casino and poker as well. Not exactly sure on the timeline of either, other than looking. You know, Michigan wants to maybe get going this year, 2021, the more realistic. West Virginia has has kind of drug its heels as well, but it's it is just it is interesting that this is the only way you can gamble right now really other than you know lottery and horse racing uh, and people are turning are going to be turning to it because while again we talk about this too while you still have entertainment dollars to spend while you know people have jobs people have you know unemployment checks coming in they're still looking to gamble uh, you know gambling casinos aren't entirely recession proof but people still do do seek them out in times like this adam with all of this, there is at least one major sporting event that is going to happen this month. It's actually going to happen next week when the NFL draft happens. And this is something that going to take place virtually. They're going to uh, do everything. Everyone will be in their own homes making their drafts and their picks and things like that. And Roger Goodell is apparently going to announce all of these from his basement in New York. And so it will be a it will be a sight to see, no doubt, to see how they produce this up. ESPN partnered with the uh, NFL to go ahead and, and produce this and, and get this thing out there. But, you know, we're talking about a, uh, you know, we were kind of joking earlier when we say, you know, Belarusian soccer and, and ping pong and all these other things. But, uh, you know, this is actually a legitimate sporting thing that people are going to bet on. And I expect not only massive handle, I imagine that this will be the biggest bet NFL draft in the history of forever, at least in our lifetimes, because people uh, I am seeing tons and tons and tons of buzz. And if you look at the markets available, especially at the DraftKings and the FanDuel's and the points bets of the world, they have stopped at nothing. I mean, there are more draft props available than you have ever seen before here. And uh, could this be something, in your opinion, that, uh, you know, maybe maybe at least shows a little bit of a, a little bit of a light for sports books? First of all, shout out to Westchester County, New York, where Roger Goodell will be doing the draft from his basement, my home <laughs> county. Uh, second of all, any time we can talk about something with facts and not have to use my opinion, even better. Uh, Brad Allen has a story up on Legal Sports Report right now uh, where he talked to a number of operators. I'll give you one stat from DraftKings who told Brad that they have already surpassed their 2019 handle on the NFL draft today and last year, 90% of the betting that they had on the draft took place in the 10 days leading up to the draft. So, you know, points bet estimates that they could be looking at two and a half times the handle they took on the draft last year. This is not going to be a small increase. This is a betting starved public going in on the one legitimate thing that they all feel like they know something about, right? Like if you're truly looking for a sweat and you want to bet on Belarusian soccer, go for it. But we watched college football last year. We watched the NFL. We feel like we know something about the draft and you can expect that draft betting is going to be enormous. Check out that whole article right now. Just went up today at legalsportsreport.com. Yeah, this is, you know, we've talked about this a lot and the reason that NFL is so incredibly massive when it comes to to handle each and every week. One, 
it only happens once a week. So you have a whole week to kind of figure out what, you, what how you want to bet. You're not having to keep up with the day-to-day activities like you do in baseball and basketball with the NFL. You're able to, to kind of form an opinion over the course of seven days. And then something like this, where you've had such an incredible lead up, and then not only do you have such an incredible lead up to the event, but you also have absolutely nothing else to bet on. I imagine that it is going to be incredibly, incredibly massive. And as you mentioned, everybody thinks they know NFL. So uh, everybody thinks they know something about football. I cannot wait to see the numbers that come out of here. And again, the the menus at the books over on the East Coast are just absolutely enormous. So, so many different ways to bet this. So it's going to be uh, going to be a big handle. There's no doubt about that. Before we get out of here, Dustin, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, there was this charity poker tournament and you and you and I and everybody was kind of talking about this on the private Slack channel here that was getting uh, one an incredible amount of buzz because it had some massive names attached to it. But one of the things that we noticed that was also attached to it was the fact that it was taking place at a site that has been known to have. <laughs> Some a shady history at best, uh, one of the offshore poker sites. Yeah, so I'll start this. I, I've been kind of ranting against this for a while now since it first came out, this uh, charity poker tournament. The, the, the tournament is fine that it, that it went on, and it, it helped a good charity. Feeding America helps food banks across the country. I, I, I want to stress that I have no problem with anybody trying to help the, that charity, that, uh, that if a poker tournament raised awareness for the charity, great. Here's what happened though on the on the flip side of this. We have, you know, a lot of celebrities. I don't don't have the whole list in front of me, but I remember like, you know, Tom Brady, uh, Ben Affleck, uh, Adam Sandler, uh, just a bunch of, you know, pretty well-known people, A-listers who were playing online poker at America's Card Room, which is a site that is offers online poker and is not licensed to regulate in the United States. It's based in Costa Rica. And, you know, it really just gave an air of legitimacy to a site that does not operate legally in the United States. And, you know, my takeaway, you know, we can argue like I, I hate getting into arguments about what's legal and what's not. It's clear to me, it's clearly not legal. But the real takeaway is that the online gambling is not banned in any real sort of way in the United States. And if you think that, you're really fooling yourself. This is a, you know, America's Card Room doesn't just offer poker. They have a sports book that you can go to that you can bet on all, all manner of sports. They have an online casino as well right there next to the, the card room. So, you know, we, we had just big names, a, a charity lending its, you know, letting uh, it piggyback off of it, letting ACR put piggyback off of it and get some good publicity from that. So the whole thing was, yeah, just, just kind of rubbed me wrong in that it's like, okay, we great. We raised money for charity. I'm totally happy about that. Americans want to go play there. They don't have any other options. Sure. That's fine. But it's just a weird dynamic to just like, we, we supposedly online gambling is banned here and everybody's just kind of like, well, that doesn't really, nobody really cares. Let's just go play this online poker tournament over at America's card room. It's, it's all very strange. And I think it's just, uh, you know, the, the idea that either States or the U S government are really banning any kind of online gambling is, is pretty, it's pretty suspect at this point. And Adam, I guess this is one of those one of those things where, you know, I don't know. I mean, I guess I start looking at it from even the second level here where it's, you know, if you're Tom Brady's agent or Ben Affleck's agent or someone's manager or whatever it might be. I just don't know how something like this gets by or is this is this kind of like a very eye opening thing to where we realize like how much people just don't 
care because I mean, when we look at this, there's there there would have been plenty of places that this could have taken place. I mean, there is a free to play site that the WPT runs. There's a free to play site that the WSOP runs. There's a free to play site that uh, Poker Stars runs. All of which are sites that have got you know gotten licenses here in the United States and are able to to operate and whatnot. So I you know I don't know. It's it's it was just weird to me that you know as this as this gets presented that people don't do their due diligence and look and say like, Oh, this is uh this is actually taking place in a site that's, you know, offshore and, and certainly not legal here. So maybe we could just hold this somewhere else because I can tell you right now, all it would have taken is Tom Brady and Ben Affleck to say like, Oh no, no, we're going to move this over here. And the thing would have been moved. I wonder if it's as much about not caring as it is now that we have the PASPA decision two years in the rear view. And leagues have done a 180 and begun to embrace regulated gambling. Um, seems to me that maybe it's just more of a continual confusion attitude, right? Of well, they made it legal, right? Like I think it's more in in the vein of there's a feeling that after the Supreme Court decision that sports betting is legal, right? And I know we're talking about poker here. Don't get me wrong, but I think there's just a general lack of education, a general lack of understanding around what is and isn't okay within that world, right? I think there's just a general sense of, well, it's okay now, right? I think that kind of, you know, in a strange way, we had it last year with the whole Josh Shaw situation with betting on the NFL at Caesars, which should have been obvious to anyone that he was doing something that he shouldn't, but he got caught up in the same general narrative of, oh, no, 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 Supreme Court said it's okay now. So maybe there should be more, maybe there should be more education, more understanding, but um, it's not out there. We, uh, we, I mean, I'll, I'll piggyback on yeah. what Adam said. I think he's absolutely right there. It's just, it is just general. Uh, in, in, in what's going on in, uh, you know, the United States and, and online gambling, you know, Mer you can Google America's card room and you'll get all sorts of different information on whether it's legal or not. And, you know, that's, you know, I, I also highlighted this in Colorado. Colorado is going to launch in a few weeks here and people are saying, that you know, you, you can you know, obviously have the legal options that we're going to talk about and uh, they're happening, but this is going to provide a boost for the offshore business too because there are plenty of sites that will say, hey, Colorado sports betting, uh, here it is. You go bet at Bavada and bet online. This is right. they're all legal in the United States too. It's 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 really confusing if you're a consumer or you know I don't I don't I don't blame Tom Brady or Ben Affleck for not having any idea. Um, you know I think I, th I think the I think the charity itself might have done a little more bit more due diligence on what it was doing and again moving it you know, possibly to another site that's not 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 this. But it is it is just confusing for the end consumer when you're trying to figure out what's legal and what's not. Again, we're sitting here on the 19th anniversary of Black Friday 2011 when Poker Stars and Full Tilt and, and others got their domain seized. And so it was all very weird timing. It felt it felt kind of surreal that we're like, okay, everybody's saying go play at America's Card Room now. It's, you know, it's not like people's money's not possibly in danger. That Again, we I've, I talked about the will of the United States government to not do, to do anything about this seems like nil, but these are sites that do not operate legally here. There's a, a, at least a, an outside chance your money gets locked up just like it did back in 2011. And I'd hate to see that. Absolutely. So this is kind of why we continue to, to, to beat the drum like over and over again for this uh, guys, as always, we are on Apple, we are on Spotify, we're on Stitcher, we're on Google. We really do appreciate you guys going in and, and giving us a subscription and a, and a rating and a review helps us climb up those charts and, Hopefully we continue to spread the good word about this legal sports betting market. Um, Adam and Dustin and the whole crew over there at LegalSportsReport.com 
all over everything. So as usual, anything we talked about on the podcast, you can head to LegalSportsReport.com and you'll be able to find a full written breakdown of that on there as well. For Dustin, for Adam, I'm Matt. Talk to you guys next week. The go through some emails, check your calendar, see that you have a 45-minute break in the day between meetings, realize this is your moment. So you drive right to McDonald's to pick up something extra delicious ASAP. Meal. Thank you. There's a meal for every moment at McDonald's. Buy one of your select faves and get another for just a dollar every morning, like a sausage McMuffin or hash browns. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Valid for product of equal or lesser value. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Cabo meal, valid when product served. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.